Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. There are phenomena that exist all around us. Kids playing above something unknown. Something unknown flies over and disappears. People driving at night, seeing huge creatures cross the road. People waking up to find their cabinet door ripped open in their kitchen. Strange things happen. Strange things happen every day around the world and seemingly at the same time and area. But are these occurrences connected? connected? This This is what we are here to explore and are trying to understand. Join us on our journey to uncover what we call the The Convergence Convergence Enigma. Enigma. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the man who is out of this world and never out of my mind, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that I'm always on your mind, you know. It's like that old... always on my mind. It reminds me of that old pickup line that was never really, you know, good, but... You know, are, hey, are you tired? Because you've been running through my mind all day, you know? That's the reason no. nobody uses those anymore. <laughs> nobody uses those anymore. I feel like that's a podcast waiting to happen. Failed well, pickup lines. Failed pickup lines. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, anyways, you guys, thank you. We are on the fourth and final episode of Alien Abduction April. Ooh, ooh. I make my own sound effects, Josh. <laughs> you know, we we gotta be careful. Again, we, we we cannot call it AAA because we'll get we'll get in trouble. Yeah, we can't call it AAA. Um, but yeah, we are on our fourth and final episode. As promised, we are covering the Pascagoula abduction, one of the most famous abductions, I think, in the history of uh, you know the abduction movement. <laughs> I'm gonna call it a movement a of movement? the 20th century. Yeah. I'm pretty uh, sure that most people involved in movements want to be there, whereas these people probably not. So I had a movement this morning that I was there for. It was great. Um, but yeah, this one took place in 1973 uh, in uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, uh, by two boys. Uh, I'm going to call them boys, even though one was 42 years old, Charles Hickson, yeah. <laughs> and a 19-year-old Calvin Parker. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. We'll dig into that yep. um, as we usually do, y'all. Uh, yep. But again, thank you guys for tuning in as you usually do right here. Uh, but Josh, let's go ahead and get crack a lacking and get into yep. our segments this week. And uh, as always, our first one is the psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word of the week. All right, Josh, psychic word of the week, as usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD, rest in peace, honey bear. Uh, So, Josh, I flipped through the pages, and um, you won't believe this. Uh, I landed on page 547. This is something that we should have magically flipped to every time Alan Greenfield has ever been on our show. I landed and looked down the term as secret chiefs. Secret chiefs. Yeah. Fantastic. 
fantastic. So now we get an official description of what Secret Chiefs is from uh, Miss Junji Bletzer. Uh, so looks like we've got two episodes here, uh, or two episodes, <laughs> two, two definitions here. The first one says, magnanimous, intelligent soul minds who have earned the privilege to belong to the order of the Great White Brotherhood make themselves known by entering mediumship development circles to each psychic skills laws of the universe and to encourage advancement of the soul mind their knowledge cannot be learned by formal education only enter circles in which the members show an earnest consistent desire for the truths of the higher realms and let me just preface by saying the great white brotherhood is not the kkk yeah <laughs> i was getting ready to say the same thing so right though and when it talks about white here it's preferably talking about white magic so uh they're just talking about the um, positive essentially good magic uh that is not darker magic so uh that is what the great white brotherhood is there and yep. uh oh boy it's time to update that y'all secret chiefs uh they put into reference golden dawn uh as an example uh number two comes from the hebrew the hebrew ooh, hebrew kabbalah uh this says the supposed invisible superhumans who direct the activities of authentic dedicated fraternities mm. I like this. In, it, in parentheses, it also says the shining ones. Interesting. Yep. Which, uh, you know, the shining ones is a callback to uh, when we talked to Ryan Musgrave Evans. You know, he he described uh, his interactions with the crypto terrestrials as being sparkly or shiny, right? Oh, so, luminescence. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, and yeah. I've been shiny before, too. A lot, enough baby oil will do that. <laughs> What is it? There's a crab or something in, in, in uh, Moana that's shiny. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love Moana. Not a sponsor, but I love <laughs> Moana. Um, all right, Josh, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get to our uh, man. I mean, because, yeah, we could do a whole episode on Secret Chiefs, man. Yeah, and exactly. In fact, yep. I think we may with Alan. We may do that. Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. Oddly enough. Uh, but anyways, let's go to our final segment, uh, which is Bigfoot sighting of the week. All right, it is time for our Bigfoot Sasquatch Yeti Skunk Ape other They're, named yeah. furry tall creatures of the yep. week <laughs> of, the, of the week yep. of the week josh so where are we getting this from when and what's happening so um you know kind of along the lines of uh the rebrand and kind of where we've been going over the last you know year and a half two years with the idea that a lot of these things tend to happen you know kind of converge, um, converge right so uh i went out and looked at bfro.net and i came across an entry that did happen in fact in 1973 uh, it's classified as winter of 1973 um, in Mississippi, uh, just up. just about 100 miles uh, north of where the Pascagoula as the Ahul as the Ahul flies or as the, the Ahul flies, yep. Thunderbird yep. flies. So um, again, you know. The yeah, fact and that, boy, it makes you wonder if there were some hauntings that happened in Mississippi yeah. around that time too, or or uh, some poltergeist stuff, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So it goes. Um, so this person uh, filled it out when they were much older in life, but this is their account. Unfortunately, I have no video or audio, only personal observation. The first encounter did not involve a sighting. As a young boy, I was out on the front porch with my mother, father, uncle, and grandfather. At around 9 p.m., we all heard a sound that was not unlike a shrill human scream. Until that night, I did not know what it meant to have your hair stand on end. A somewhat large dog that we had outside barked, cried, and ran away in apparent terror. The only thing we found the next day was a single partial footprint. The next encounter happened when my cousin and I were in the woods fishing at a pond on our grandfather's property. We first noted a very strong odor that we took to be a skunk. We then heard a sound like a scream, a few grunts, then nothing. 
before the next encounter, there were some unusual incidents that deserve mentioning. First was the finding of a dead livestock, mainly pigs. They almost always had been found with their liver and heart removed. I never saw this myself, only heard the stories. I did see on the last two occasions all of the fruit eaten off the trees on the property. In both cases, all the fruit was removed from the trees and the pits on the ground around the trees. We laughed about the belly ache something would have had eating an entire tree in three pairs. Later, as a teenager, I was alone in the woods. I had the distinct feeling I was being watched. I crossed a barbed wire fence near the road, crossed the road and entered the woods there. When I returned to the road a short time later, 20 to 30 minutes or so, I saw that the fence I had earlier crossed had been partially knocked down. Upon approaching the damaged fence, I noticed several large footprints. They appeared human in every respect except for their size. Even then, I wore a size 12D boot. The prints were at least two to three inches longer and made it two inches wider than my boot. The tracks led first to the road, then back into the woods. Maybe a year later, a friend and I were in the woods. He was from New Orleans, Louisiana, and knew nothing of the past encounters. While near a creek bottom, he suddenly froze and asked me what was watching us. I stood near him and saw what I first thought was a bear about 25 yards away. It was in a squatting position. It then stood upright. It was, I'm sure, seven to eight feet tall. The creature was covered with very dark brown hair over its entire body, with the exception of its face. It stood upright like a man, not stooped like a bear. As we departed the area, we watched it follow us. The creature had a long stride and its arms swung as it walked. It followed us to the edge of the wood line. The only sounds it made were whistling noises. My next and last encounter did not occur until I was in the army. A co-worker and I went to the old house to do some shooting. We arrived late that night. As we sat outside talking, we saw a large man-shaped creature walk across the road about 125 yards away. It walked into the woods and disappeared. It did not seem to notice us. Dude, that got intense, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, whew, I mean, that's 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 like a lifetime of encounters right there. Um, and this is classified as a class A, according to BFRO, which is, you know, direct, you know, sighting. It's not, you know, just noises or whatever. So, yeah, a lot of activity there um, in that part of Mississippi. And again, as we'll see in just a few minutes, some uh, abduction activity as well. So. Man, like that, you know, it reminded, and I know I've, I say this like every time we cover a Bigfoot sighting, but it reminded me of that Eastern Kentucky Sasquatch story that we had sent in, you know, the fence line and just just everything. Yep. And and I wear a size 12, by the way, that's the size of my shoe. And I already don't feel like it's that big. Um, but then I forget, you know, that it is. Yeah. Uh, but for him to say two, three inches larger and wider like two inches wider that's that's a huge foot yeah i mean it that's like shack size feet right there if not even bigger man yeah like yeah that would definitely freak me out i would be super scared to and continue to have encounters that's that's so you know i mentioned that so the first the first encounter that was discussed where he was on the porch and heard the noise um that was at 9 p.m in the fall of 1973 mm-hmm. and we're what we're getting ready to talk about the pascagoula abduction happened in october 1973 <laughs> just a, <laughs> it's crazy how this all comes yeah. together josh i mean that's the whole point of this is how this all comes yep. together so uh let's go ahead and get t- to our topic this week in the convergence enigma and talk about the pascagoula abduction and let's see how this converges All right, Josh, Pascagoula, man. We've yep. been hanging on to this one for quite a while. Um, re- saving this for Alien Abduction April, and here we are. So, this is yep. one of my favorites. So p- for those who don't know, just a little bit of geography reference, Pascagoula, Mississippi is right on the right on the uh, water there of the Gulf, Gulf of Mexico. Um, and so the, the 
thing that we just spoke about before about the Bigfoot sighting that was about 100 miles kind of north of that area but um, there's waterways that interweave all throughout Mississippi you know it's a very marshy kind of area um, and uh, so yeah anyways <clears throat> this happens right down on the uh, on the Gulf so just a well just a few nights before <laughs> you're I'm, already I'm, pumped Josh I, I am I am <laughs> so um, the day before the actual abduction sighting happened on October 10th, 1973, 15 different people, including two policemen, reported seeing a large silver UFO slowly fly over a housing project in St. Tammany Parish, New Orleans, Louisiana. So then 24 hours later, we've got Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. So we've got yeah. multiple sites. So it's not just these two guys. They're just yeah. famous for the abduction part. The but abduction, in terms of the right. UFO sighting, there was more interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually, once we get through the abduction piece, I've got some uh, later discovered uh, supporting evidence for a sighting uh, that happened in Pascagoula. So I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. Cool. So um, at... Uh, Charles Hickson, Calvin Parker. Charles Hickson's uh, 42 years old at the time. That's Calvin my Parker. age. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Parker was night. Uh, that was your age uh, several years ago. That, that um, weird. How weird is that that I was 19 <laughs> several years ago and this guy was 19 and the other guy is 42, which I am now. Epic. Right. So, you know, right. it's like it's like we're right there with them. Um, <laughs> we are. We are in Pascagoula. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, the two men were both uh, from the town of Gautier, Mississippi. Um, they were doing some night fishing in the Pascagoula River uh, around 9 p.m. Uh, interesting here, 9 p.m. Uh, also, the Bigfoot sighting occurred at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So just throwing this out there. Uh, they suddenly heard a type of, of buzzing behind them. Um, both men turned around to see the source of the sound and were amazed to see a glowing egg-shaped object with bluish lighting on its front side. Egg-shaped. So, uh, we have seen some egg-shaped ones in the past before. Um, there's even that that famous one in, um, what is it, New Jersey or Pennsylvania? I can't think of the name well, of it. What what makes me think when I hear the egg shape is the Allagash abduction that we covered. I was gonna bring up Allagash. I was gonna say I I for for a long time got these two mixed up. Yeah, so you know, of course, the Allagash abduction. For those who don't know, we did an episode on it a couple of years ago. It took place in upstate New York, like in the Catskills, but it also involved an egg shaped object with glowing lights. Um, <clears throat> and and actually, oddly enough, it involved three men who were abducted. But mm-hmm. um, so the unusual craft was hovering just a few feet above the ground, uh, maybe about 30 feet from the shore of the river. Then amazingly, a door opened in the object and three strange beings began to float just above the water straight toward them. Uh, the beans had legs but they did not use them. They simply floated across the river. Mm. Um, Parker and Hickson would later describe the beans as about five feet tall, had bullet shaped heads without necks. That reminds me of Mothman. Um, Slits for mouths. Nope. And where their noses or ears would be, they had thin conical objects sticking out like carrots from a snowman's head. Almost uh, like a light darrow. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, they had no eyes, uh, gray, wrinkled skin, round feet, and claw-like hands. Yeah, I heard crab-style pincers. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I mean, is creepy, dude. This might be the creepiest description of aliens yet. The, the drawings that I've seen, though, you know what it kind of reminds me of? And, and this harkens back to a theory that I've had. It is it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, one of like the 1950s depiction of a robot. 
Um, well, you know, uh, it, it reminds me of, and I know this is why they get a lot of flack. I'm looking over here at the humanoid uh, descriptions as well. It kind of reminds me of the day the Earth stood still. Um, that's where I was. That's well, where I was going. And you know, yeah. you know, everybody and their mother that's a skeptic says yep. that every dang alien abduction case UFO is all stemmed because of that movie. Yeah. So. But, but one of you know one of the things that I've I've proposed as a theory a couple times when we talked about it with the Ingrid Cole uh, case um, is that do these things uh, take on uh, a visage that looks like what we equate to pop culture in an event to somehow ease us or change the way we react to to them so i don't know but all i know is looking at these man i need joe purdue with wild and weird west virginia wild and weird radio to make some of these pascagoula (laughs) aliens because he makes toys of cryptids and stuff joe if you're listening please make me a pascagoula alien thank you goodbye (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so uh hickson uh, uh just frozen in fear and disbelief was grabbed by two of these creatures. Um, the third one took Parker, who had fainted from fright. Uh, Hickson would later relate that when the beings put their arms under his body to support him, he felt numb all over. Hmm, um, makes you wonder if they have like uh, like micro tendrils, you know, like yeah. that can secrete something, or if it's or, just telepathic. Or it could also, I mean, I've been really looking into a lot lately around sound and the the abilities that sound have that has that we don't really, you know, we think about sound and the sounds that we hear from our car, radio, so on and so forth, and listening to this podcast. But sound actually has a lot of other uses yeah. in the form of like energy creation and uh, energy movement. Um, you know, the, the government a couple of years ago were looking at large you know sound uh weapons that you know could fire a large burst of sound and in, in, in death in a battlefield so on and so forth yeah, so, yeah. and there are there are yeah military um trials where they were trying to use sound as a way to knock people out as well yep so yeah so yeah so who knows if you know if there's some sort of a sound component here that uh or allowed them to kind of lift him up um so they you know so he was then floated into a brightly lit room inside of the UFO. Uh, inside this room, he floated along with an eye-like device that examined him all over. Mm. Um, after that device got done examining him, he was just kind of left there floating. Uh, the beings left the room. Uh, it's it's kind of thought here that maybe they left the room to examine Parker, right? The other yeah. the other guy. Um, approximately 20 minutes after the ordeal had begun, it was over. Um, Hickson was floated back outside of the strange craft. Uh, Parker was crying and praying on the ground. <laughs> As you would do in this situation, yep. John. Yep. Well, I'll um, be a Christian real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, only a moment or two later, the craft rose straight up into the air and disappeared. Bye. Um, and they were they awake were, pretty much through this whole ordeal. Well, no. Um, Hickson was awake. Calvin oh, that, fainted. That's right. Calvin did faint. Yep. Um, so, you know, they kind of pulled themselves together a little bit. Uh, wasn't really sure what they should do. They were reluctant to report um, what had happened, uh, but they really felt obligated to tell someone. So despite the fear of being ridiculed, they telephoned to their local sheriff's office. And I think this is really interesting. You'll remember that Project Blue Book was closed in 1969. Yeah. And the kind of the, the statement from their forward was anybody who contacts the military, refer them to their local law enforcement. But this hit the news and it hit like nationwide news yeah to the point where Heineck was interested and did actually come and investigate the case even yeah, though Blue project Book, Blue, Book Blue Book was, was gone. closed Heineck was in yeah. deep into UFO ufology at that point you know everything we know about Heineck was that Blue Book proved to him that this is legit so um, 
they also so when they went to the sheriff's department um, to report their case so so actually they, they first they were worried about going to law enforcement so they instead drove to their local newspaper but found that there were no reporters present there was just someone that was kind of cleaning up the office after the <laughs> after it was closed and so finally decided to go and talk to the sheriff's department <laughs> so when they did that um luckily well, this is one of the you know this is kind of reported as one of the only alien abduction cases that was actually recorded um at the time you know or just a just a few hours after it had happened so uh, an interview you mean an interview yes yeah. but i mean it was an interview of the abduction right it was it was a sheriff talking to uh the, the individual. Yeah. So we've got the, the interview. Yep. Even though I'll be the laughing stock of the country, I'll tell you what I've seen and the experience I've had. Now, what did you say your name was? Charles Hickson. That's H-I-C-K-S-O-N. Even though they laugh me out of Jackson County, I'll do what I know is right. That's all I can do. And I don't expect anybody to believe it. It's just unbelievable. Okay, we just have to know what happened. What happened to y'all from the very beginning? Well, this will be the third time. We just want to make sure to hear your story. That's what convinced us. Okay, okay. Calvin and me, this, this boy, he works with me. We went down below the grain elevator along the river. We caught a few headheads and down there and a couple croakers, not much. So I said to Calvin, son, let's go up by the old Shopter shipyard. I've caught redfish in there and speckled trout. Now, is he your son? No, no, no. He He's just a friend. He's from Jones County. That's where I'm weird from. And I've got a farm and a home up there. Well, so we went over there to try a little while. We sat there fishing. I don't I don't know how. I, I guess we must have been there sometime. And it, all of a sudden, it's, it's a blue light. It circled a bit. Now, now how, how high was it? You couldn't hardly tell. It, it wasn't too close, but maybe, I don't know, two, three miles away. It was pretty close. And a blue light. You're surprised when you look up in the sky and you see a blue light. It it really calls your attention to it. Then it just, a little while, it, it come right down above the bayou. You know, about two to three feet above the ground. And how close was it? maybe 25 30 yards but it might have been 35 40 yards you, you see something like that it scare you to death and i and i couldn't believe it i started to head head for the river now was there a noise to it a little buzzing sound like zzz, zzz, like that that's all wasn't any back blast or anything and, and you, you think you're dreaming about something like that you know and i i started to hit the river man and and calvin he just went hysterical. Now, hold on. What's Calvin's last name? It's, it's Parker. Calvin Parker, Jr. He, he got his father's name. So we was we was right on the river. It, it didn't hit the ground. It, it hovered. And all of a sudden, right in the end of it, this opening was laid up there. And three of them just floated out of the thing. They wasn't on no ground. They didn't have no feet. No, no, no they, they didn't have toes. But they had a feet shape. It was more or less like a round-like thing on a leg, if you call it a leg. I was scared to death. And me, with the spinning reel out here, that's all I had. I could, well, I was I was so scared. Well, you can't imagine. Calvin Dunn went hysterical on me. But th then what happened? They walk up onto you? They just, they just, no, they just glided up there to me. Then one of them made a little buzzing noise. And two of them never made no noise. Wait, what? What kind of noise? Just zzz, zzz, sound like a machine. Yeah, like that. Like it may have been contacting the others. See, I don't know. But then I was so damn scared. I I didn't know anything. And two of them just floated around behind me and lifted me up off the ground by your arms, by my arms with their pincher things. They must have done something. Just raised up off the ground. They didn't use no force, though. No force. They didn't hurt me. I didn't feel nothing. Well, how was your buddy doing then? 
he just passed down on me and they glided <laughs> me into that thing you know how you just glide somebody all of us moving like we're floating through the air mm. when i got in there they had me you know they just kind of had me there there were no seats no chain they just moved me around i couldn't resist them i just floated felt like no sensation no pain they kept me in that position a little while then they'd raise me back up now you said that they had some kind of instrument on you didn't you some kind of instrument. I don't know what it was. I I didn't see anything that I could call an instrument that I've ever seen before. Well, what did it look like? Could you describe it for me? I just I just couldn't describe it. Was it like an X-ray machine? No, it wasn't like no X-ray machine. There ain't no way to describe it. It it looked like an eye, like a big eye. It had some kind of an attachment to it. It moved. It looked like a big eye, and it went all over my body, up and down, and then. They left me. They left you inside the machine. Left me right by myself. And the position they had me in, I couldn't move. Just my eyes could move. And I don't know how long they left me. I don't even know if I stayed conscious, but I think I did. And then they came back. Now, how long did they leave you? I don't know. I I never wear no watch. How long would you say? I'd say 20 to 30 minutes. Then when they came back, they laid me back over again. Now, you didn't try to talk to them, ask them what was going on. Yes, I did. But I'd get a buzzing sound out of them. That's all. They didn't pay me no attention, my talking or anything. Now, how many eyes did they have? There could have been eyes, but I didn't see any. But there was something that came straight out more or less where a nose would be be on a human being's face. They have any hair? I don't know. I, I I just swear I don't know. That's that's blank in my mind. So you looked at them, didn't you? Did they breathe? I, I swear I don't know. Well, how tall were they? They were about five feet tall. They didn't have no kind of clothes on or nothing? Not so I noticed. And you can't tell me what color they was? Man, you scared as I was. Was they white looking, pale, blue, green? What was they? Best I remember, they looked pale like to me. Wrinkled skin? It might have been. It, it looked kind of like skin fit. They they might have had something on. They might not have. I don't know. You say below the nose there was an opening. Like a slit. And I never saw that opening move. And they had something on each side of the head that resembled ears, but didn't look like ears that we know. And the head, I didn't see any neck. It looked like it just sit there on the body. Now, was this right after dark? It wasn't too long after dark. Well, why you wait until this time of night to call us? Well, Mr. Fred, when I got out of there, I know nobody would believe me. I went by the Mississippi press, beat on the door. This guy was sitting at the desk. I said I wanted to see a reporter. He said there won't be no reporter here till morning. I thought about it again. If I call the sheriff's department, they won't believe me. If I call the police department, they won't believe me. Well, how do you know unless you tried? Well, I apologize for that. that that's just my thinking. How much did you have to drink, son? I hadn't drank anything. But in the 45 minutes to an hour before I called you all, I did drink. I had to settle my nerves. I just about went crazy. And I got to get back and let my wife know. She's probably hysterical now. Your wife's all right. Listen, you remember leaving? Leaving where? The ship when they put you out. The only thing I remember is that kid, Calvin, just standing there. I've never seen that sort of fear on a man's face as I saw on Calvin's. It took me a while to get him back to his senses. And the first thing I told him was, son, ain't nobody going to believe this. Let's just keep this whole thing to ourselves. Well, the more I thought about it, the more I thought I had to let some officials know. What did they do after they let you go? There was a buzzing sound, and it was gone. Can you describe the vehicle? Yes, I can. It was about eight feet tall. It, it wasn't round. It was oblong, sort of oblong. And the opening in it, had one, it just wanted the end of it. The only lights I seen on the outside was that blue light inside what lights did they have i didn't see no bulbs or anything it just glowed light but it was real bright
I tried calling the Kessler Air Force Base, and they just told me to call the sheriff. So yeah, um, <laughs> now there. Now we had mentioned there is the actual recording. It's just a, 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 a not a good recording, but it's you not. can find that recording and listen to that. <laughs> yeah, um, just it's hear on the fear in his voice. Man. Yeah, it, and it is, and it's, but it, yeah, it, the, the recording is really hard to hear. Um, it just, uh, you know, it's it's a department you know it's not like they show up and you know, think that they're going to record an alien abduction and they need to get it on, on tape so um so like i said it, it did go around the, to the uh, to the press um and uh arpo we've we've talked about them mm-hmm. and, and other things you know the aerial phenomena research organization uh sent the university of california professor james harder to investigate along with dr j allen Heineck. um so Harder and Heineck interviewed Hickson and Parker together. Harder hypnotized Hickson, but he became so frightened that the session had to be aborted. Um, the two inc- abductees were encouraged to take a lie detector test, and they both passed it. Um, both Harder and Heineck, highly respected in their profession, believed the two men's story. Hmm. At a, at a later date, Heineck actually stated there was definitely something here that was not terrestrial. That's intense, man. <laughs> um, it's interesting here that it's record. It says in, in a later incident, a couple weeks after this account, uh, some Coast Guardsmen and fishermen had an encounter with an underwater metallic object. The strange object had an amber light on it and the guard chased it in the Pascagoula River. The object was close enough to touch, but each time it was prodded with a large boat hook, it turned off its lights, moved away, and then turned the lights back on. Hmm. That encounter lasted about 40 minutes before the craft disappeared. Wow. So That's that's insane, (laughs) man. (laughs) I mean, there was something definitely going on. You got the the Bigfoot sighting around that same time, uh, you know the 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 abduction encounter, the the Coast Guard encounter, and then you know I mentioned early on that there was another uh, sighting or or account that came out uh, a few years later, and so um, I'm going to read you a little bit about that. And so this is from an interview with Mike Cataldo, uh, who was. Um, a Navy chief petty officer in 1973. And he and, and two of his friends were um, headed uh, back from um, the Gulf, kind of headed home. Um, and uh, they were just driving along in, in, in the individual's car and uh, had a sighting. So okay. It says they left the shipyard and rode in Ted's Volkswagen to Highway 90, traveling west towards Biloxi, Mississippi. It was not even dusk yet. There was still some daylight to see. When we first saw this thing through the windshield, we thought it was a shooting star going from right to left. But then it came down into a marshy tree-lined area and hovered there for about 30 seconds. It was spinning and had blinking lights on the top all around its edge, all the way around it in a circle. There were blinking lights arranged on it, just like you would tape lights on the side of a cake pan. Um, This thing was like a whitish gray colored sailor hat or a tambourine. And it was less than a half a mile away. It looked as big as any big American airliner I've ever seen. And then it just shot away, almost like it was suddenly gone. He said that that big. I know, I know. Um, he said that shortly after the sighting, he parted company with his friends. Um, and while en route to Ocean Springs, which is where he lived, as darkness was setting in, he saw the same object a second time at about the same distance away, watching it for another 45 seconds to a minute before it again shot off in the same manner as before. Uh, he said that 
there were some other motorists in the area during the episode. Some of them had slowed down to look at the UFO, but they were the only ones that stopped on the road to look at it. And what what year was this one? This is also 73. Oh. This is actually the night before. And Boy, so I'll tell you what, if I was this person, you know, that that put this in, then reading about the Pascula abduction, I'm like, I got lucky. Well, That's how I would feel. So he, he woke up the next morning or a couple of days later, he saw the story in the papers about the abduction and he reported it to um, his direct supervisor for the Navy. And then he reported it to the lieutenant commander that was uh, stationed where they were as a verbal report, but it was never re- it was never recorded as a written report and it was never mentioned or said anything about it again. Mm-hmm, because it's like um, that one uh, uh thing that I've forgotten all of a sudden where you, oh the Rendlesham you got to yeah. write a memo if you don't write that memo <laughs> it don't show up <laughs> um, he, he he did say that he you know this so the, again this Mike Mike Cotillado guy talked about it with his wife again and decided it would be important to report the UFO sighting uh, he did place a call to Castle Air Force Base again and the person taking his call with the, took the information but nothing resulted from his advisement to his knowledge uh, he he never actually talked to Hickson uh, or um, uh, Calvin. Uh, he had no interactions with him whatsoever. At the time that this interview was recorded with Mike, uh, or or the the article was written, Mike didn't even know that a book was written about it. He didn't know there was a song that was written about it. He he had no knowledge of any of that stuff that had that had kind of further taken place. And it, you know, it, what it makes me wonder, Josh, is it makes me wonder how many others saw something, didn't yeah. report it, or just blew it off as Venus, right? Because that was a big, um, common, actually, Heineck <laughs> thing yeah. for a long time, or swamp gas, or any of those <laughs> things that they had been told up to that point and just wrote it off, or, you know, or to, was too scared, or, well, or any of those things. You know, I mean, I'll say, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of people who think about and make the thing, make the statement. I can't be the only one who's seen it. Somebody else will report it. Somebody else know? will report it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, well, I mean, we know that from Mike Cotillado that other motorists saw the thing, but they didn't actually stop to look. Um, I also wanted to think about real quick, the, the buzzing mm-hmm. and, you know, um, that uh, Charles talked about hearing from the entities. It really makes me wonder, you know, we've talked a lot about how the brain kind of protects, you know, the psyche, right? That the, that, you know, you don't see certain things, you don't hear certain things because it's a way to, for the brain to protect you from, from whatever, you know? So makes me wonder if they actually were speaking. Yeah. But he just, he heard it or, remembered it as buzzing because it was kind of part of the mental block that yeah it's exactly i mean a buzz sounds like a perfect version of what a mental block would be like yeah almost like the you know you think about the charlie brown teacher right yeah um it's like (laughs) so somebody's talking right but you just can't make out what they're saying You, you remember it as a buzz so well you know and if you think about it there are a lot of cases to to bring this into the convergence aspect there are a lot of cases of hauntings or cryptid sightings or things like that where there is this sort of overwhelming buzzing that does take place um sometimes it's even bodily felt right this this Mm -hmm. physical buzzing but yeah it does it makes you wonder if if that buzzing is indeed a mental block that does happen and why why do some people's you know is it due to trauma is it due to not trauma why some people experience it others don't yeah well you know in to kind of reference back a little bit uh, to the uh, Betty Barney Hill case, you know, Barney, when they first did the hypnosis session with Barney, um, there were parts where he would get so, um, for lack of a better term, worked up, you know, because of the stress of it all that they had to end the session. And that's what it reminds me of when they were talking about when they tried to do the hypnosis section uh, with Hickson, that he became so frightened that the session had to be aborted. Oh yeah, that, just you're just, that, exactly right. Just like we talked about Barney Hill. I mean, eventually that's what took his life was that yeah. stress of it all. Really, right. at the end of the day, in my opinion, 
that's what took that man's life. And there was just so much stress. Whereas, you know, as a male back then and all the pressures he already had as an African-American during that time period and yeah. all that stuff, he had so much on him. And plus, I guess his general nature, whereas Betty's like, yes, I, yes, yes. And let's, let's yeah. do this was an experience. You know, it's amazing right. how two different people experience the same thing, but the after effects are different because she could mentally handle it. Whereas Barney could not handle it. And, well, and here you've got, you know, Calvin and Charlie handling it different as well. Right. And, and it's really interesting here. People always point to these kind of things and say, well, it's probably a hoax, but the, the amount of kind of visceral fear um, that one has to have to, you know, have to abort a hypnosis session. Um, I just don't see how you could fake that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sick of the word hoax. Hoax implies that it was premeditated, yeah. that there were plans in place. There were all these things. If anything, and I'll give skeptics the edge of doubt, or I'll give them the, the award here to say, if anything, it could be misconstrued and you do, you just start talking about it and you start talking in what ifs and those what ifs become solids, yeah. right? that right. i could buy more than a hoax there's no way these boys did this these guys did this as a hoax yeah i just i would agree it's just it's too much i mean calvin like <laughs> this kid man and he just well, he, can't, he couldn't handle the pressure man well i mean i don't even see how you know let's say that calvin uh and, and charles didn't do it as a hoax but somebody else did sure like they got hoaxed right they got hoaxed right even if that was the case, it's 1973. Who who pulled this off without thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars spent to create this level of hoax so that it's set in the mind of the person who experienced it? I mean, it just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, and there are further skepticisms. Um, you know, uh, aviation journalist and UFO skeptic Philip Class found discrepancies in Hickson's stories, noted that Hickson refused to take a polygraph exam conducted by an experienced examiner and concluded that the case was a hoax. Oh, yeah, because that makes that happen. Uh, another skeptical investigator, Joe Nickel, wrote that Hickson's behavior was questionable and that Hickson later altered or embellished his claims. And I don't like that. I'm sorry. But as time goes on, you are. That's the way the memory works. You're filling right. in gaps. It's just the way that it is. Well, you're, um, you're processing, right? You're, you're processing, processing what's happening. Exactly. And you're thinking about this. And, and really, when you think about it, Again, that idea that the brain is trying to protect you, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain is processing it and it's filling in the gaps, usually in the form of it was probably a goat. It was probably uh, some swamp gas. It was probably thick fog rolling off of the of the river. So on and so like your brain is trying to fill those things in to, to take you away from the, the, the conclusions of it was aliens and they were abducting. Yeah, and Nickel speculated even more, and this is where I find it's funny. They, skeptics, excuse me, debunkers, are allowed to speculate, but those that have the experience cannot speculate. And because the the skeptics can speculate, therefore their speculations are considered fact and truth, which makes no sense to me. Uh, but anyways, Nickel speculated also that Hickson may have fantasized the alien encounter during a hypnagogic waking dream uh, state and suggested that Parker's corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility because he initially told police he had passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over, a claim supported by Hickson during his to tell the truth appearance. So again, speculation rules all. Yeah. Which just frustrates me to no end. Yeah, any any it, it's it, we've talked about it before, right? It's it's like any any halfway viable alternative, uh, you know, explanation must be the truth. Yeah, but and any you know any alter any any original explanation must be false. Yeah, uh, you know, and mostly for most of the time, this has been uh, Hickson that has really pushed a lot of this over the years. He wrote a book called UFO Contact at Pascagoula, which I actually have on Audible, um, which is really, really interesting. Um, and it wasn't until like, 
I don't know, later on, probably in the 90s or whatever, that uh, Parker eventually started showing up and kind of standing behind it. And uh, he even started a company called UFO Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs because he was such a kid at the time. I think he had so many people telling him that he was the word i'm looking for you know like persuaded by an older person taking advantage of taking it thank you that's the word i'm looking for taking advantage of and it took for him to be uh, a full-fledged adult himself to realize that what had happened had what see what had happened was had (laughs) happened um had happened but it's all very very uh interesting to me but yeah i get i get frustrated i know i'm kicking a dead horse but i get frustrated at these skeptical debunkers that don't have to have evidence to prove the hoax or to prove the debunking, but the proof lies in the hands of the experiencer. Yep. And we as experiencers can give said proof, but it's never enough. It's never enough until you produce. Well, I mean, it, yeah, you, Again, I, mean, I don't it think doesn't it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't think it ever. Yeah, you're right. It ever is. Enough. I mean, no. even if you were to produce material from the craft or, you were to walk one of these beans or I don't know, float one of these beans up to somebody and let them take an even interview. Then, even I feel then, like you would take yeah. a Joe Nickel or a Philip J. Class onto a spaceship and they would be like, this is some good Hollywood stage work, yeah. guys. Excellent. Right. You know, where's I, I probably can't fill the quest Oculus on my face, but it's yeah. probably there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my yeah. Goodness, man. I just anyways josh thank you for sharing that um before Um, we uh wrap things up i know you had one more interview uh not an interview but another recording that was a shady recording again so (laughs) yeah so so this was actually the recording was left on in the room and this is an exchange between charlie and calvin Right. And this was the next day the sheriff had asked Charlie to come back and make a complete statement and bring um, Calvin with him. Uh, And so this is a reenactment of that. I can't I can't take much more of that. I got to get home and I got to get to bed or get some nerve pills or see a doctor or something. I can't stand it. I'm about to go half crazy. I tell you, when we when we threw, I'll, I'll get you something to settle you down. So you can get some damn sleep. I can't sleep yet like it is. I, I, I'm I'm just damn near crazy. Well, Calvin, w- when they brought you out, when they brought you out of that thing, God damn it, I'd like to never got the hell straightened out of you. My damn arms. My arms. I remember they just froze up and I couldn't move. And I like like I had stepped on a damn rattlesnake. They, they didn't do me that way. passed out i expect i never passed out in my whole life i've never seen nothing like that before in my life you you can't make you can't make people believe i I don't want to keep sitting here i just want to get to a doctor they better wake up and start believing they better start believing you see how that door come right up i don't know how it opened up son I, i i don't know it just laid up and just like that, those sons of bitches, they, they just like, they, they came out. I know. And you, you can't believe it. You, you can't make people believe I paralyzed it. right then. I, I couldn't move, Charlie. They won't believe it. They're going to believe it. One of these days might be too late. I knew all along there was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me. And you know, you know yourself, I don't drink. I know that, son. When I get to the house, I'm going to get me another drink. Make me <laughs> yeah. sleep. Look what we sitting around for. I got to go tell Blanche what we waiting for. I got to go to the house. I'm getting sick. I got to get out of here, Charlie. Hard to believe. Oh, God, it's so awful. I know there's a God up there. I didn't feel that. Ooh, boy, man. They didn't know they was being recorded. That's all. No, yeah. That's some true panic. And, uh, you know, and we leave the rest up to you guys. Yep. We leave it up to you guys to 
figure out and decipher for yourself as we always do. How does this connect to everything else that we discovered? Other, you know, UFO sightings. Uh, we got a Bigfoot sighting, um, likely some poltergeist and some things like that. You know, these, I said, this reminded me almost of a Darrow. Uh, it almost sounded of a Darrow. So there could be some hollow earth action happening, especially yeah. the one saying that they, they found it in the Pascagoula River, the, the ship. So right. maybe that was coming from some underground channel that went down to the where the shaver mystery talk takes place right yeah i mean it's yeah um you know just just the 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 the, the shallow looking if you will right mm -hmm. the light looking and came across bigfoot sightings and the best google abduction i mean it just it really makes you wonder what else is there what what people around the area what stories do they have to tell that would corroborate or or, or go alongside this, the tales and things that we've you know, listened right. to. Right. Like you said, that was just a quick look. I mean, we didn't right. even have to go far to find that. Yeah. And so, yeah, listeners, if you're out there, man, and you were around that time period, 73, uh, even in Mississippi or somewhere near, and you've got some stories that happened around that time, let us know. Send us an yeah. email at contact at theconvergenceenigma.com. Send us your experiences with that. In fact, send us any experiences that you have. I mean, yeah. we're always down for that. But, you know, uh, for this episode specifically, I'm asking for those. But as always, send send any stories yeah. you got. <laughs> um, which reminds me, Josh, before we get out of here, um, you know, you can always find our past episodes uh, in which includes the Allagash uh, abduction story uh, on theconvergenceenigma.com. There you'll be able to find all of our past episodes uh, that we've done throughout the last four years, even back when we were Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Yep. Um, that Allagash one is is very interesting, and there are some crazy parallels. There's some correlations there for sure. Yeah. This is it's it's an intense, it's an intense thing. Um, but you know, thank we, you, Josh, man. I was just going to make one other correlation between yeah, the Betty do. and Barney Hill case. You know, Barney talked about how they showed red and blue lights, and we even talked about. Uh, that you know there's a possibility that maybe there was some sort of a hypnosis thing going on with showing that light you know then he, here you've got a blue light and it's, it's really interesting if you research and look into what blue light does to the brain uh, it's it's just very interesting so that's why Kmart always had the blue light special man <laughs> they knew everybody was coming yeah, uh, but I hear blue and red, and immediately I'm like, "Old school 3D, man! If you'd had 3D glasses on, <laughs> you'd have seen a 3D projection hologram, and you yeah. would have had the answer. You'd have had the answer. Way to go, Hickson! Way to go!" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, thank you guys so much, uh, as always, for tuning in to the Convergence Enigma here on the UnX radio network as well as the fearscape paranormal uh excuse me the fearscape media network uh we love you guys so much but we are going to get out of here thank you guys for sticking around this whole month for alien abduction april uh we're gonna get back to normal here in may uh just some some normal mcnormalson just normal strange stuff normal strange stuff <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if you like normal, strange stuff, then stick around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, thank you, guys. This has been Stefan. And uh, just a reminder to keep your eyes on the skies. And this has been Josh. The truth is now. And as always, remember to keep searching and keep questioning. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>